originally they thought I'd be there three or four days. But after a week, they came to me and they said, well, Ben, uh, we're going to have to move you to ICU. I thought, well, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> I was not there 30 minutes before they walk in and they say, oh, we've changed our minds. Actually, Ben, we're going to life flight you. I'm like, life flight me? I'm talking to the doctors like I'm talking to you guys right now. Yeah. We're just chit-chatting back and forth. They say, no, we're going to life flight you. I'm like, oh my goodness, like what's going on that I need to be life flighted? <laughs> Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Brad Pierrot. That's me, man. Glad to Aaron, be here. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, 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 no. Aaron Richards is not here today. <laughs> Our better-looking brother in Christ and missionary, Gabe. Yes, what here. Yes. And Gabe is joined here in studio today. By my Dad! Oh, yeah. Yeah. The amazing dad yeah. show. Yeah. Amazing dad show so, in honor of the men's retreat. Ben you know? Gessler, welcome to the show. We are Thank excited you. to have you. Today we're going to be covering Ben's amazing, miraculous recovery from COVID-19, oh, which is just miraculous. an exciting, exciting show. Uh, Brad, could you open us in prayer and then we're going to get to town. Absolutely. Let's do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the gift of this conversation that we'll be able to have this day. We pray, Lord, that you would allow this testimony to inspire all to see you as capable of anything. We pray that you would continue to open our ears and open our hearts to receive more of what you're saying and to receive more of what you're doing. As we step into this conversation today, Lord, let the entire conversation be oriented around giving you glory. We thank you. We praise you, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Father, Father, the Son, Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so before we jump into the show, we are here live at the Damascus Men's Retreat. So, so far, this retreat's been really exciting. It's like we're recording this on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Retreat started last night. What's been your favorite part of the retreat so far? Uh, Favorite part of the retreat so far has honestly just been the amazing talks. And also, so it's been sweet because I get to be one of the club MCs, which is kind of like one of the nightly programming MCs. And it's just super. Mm -hmm. Fun because we've been doing this thing called the Battle of the Generations. <laughs> yes, and so the basically, which generations the winners? Uh, the well, currently, right now, the millennials could That's argue right. that they are the great Gen Z is in second place, though. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, just watch yeah. baby boomers. They're dead in the Hey, they're coming to the past. They're coming to the past. This is a great generation. Cool part of this retreat is it's just super multi generational. So, oh, yeah. we've got like Gen Zers, we've got all the way up to baby boomers. It's just like really beautiful mm-hmm. to see fathers and sons and like all these generations gathered and like yeah. just seeking the Lord together. What's been your favorite part? Yeah, I think my favorite part is actually that seeing all men from all sorts of different backgrounds come together and just to give a weekend to the Lord. Like I was thinking last night, it was a Friday night, obviously. And how many of these men are just coming straight from work? And it's like on Sunday, I'm going to go home to my family and I'm going to go back to work on Monday. I'm going to give the Lord all of my free time this week, really. And that's like just amazing to see hundreds of men doing that. You know? you know that we're doing a men's retreat because Brad busted out his flannel. <laughs> <laughs> show today. Yeah, it's, like, oh. it's also a little cold outside, it, it, right? It, it so is. I had to bring it back out the winter, the winter, uh, I don't know. I had to bring back out the winter. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. Brad, I think I saw you outside like with a chainsaw and a cigar, that's like right. cutting down some trees. Is, yeah. is that true? No, that's just how I spend every day. Not oh, just the that, that was this morning that's prayer. Actually, yeah. 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 That's my afternoons. Well, yeah. That's been my favorite nutshell. part of the retreat is like, I just keep hearing all these guys that are like, man, this is so human. Like, like because yeah. we've got all these, like most men are like, okay, like I like retreats, but I don't want to sit down and listen to talks all day. So like mm-hmm. we've got like chainsaws, axes, We've got paintball going on, the rock climbing wall. Last night we had whiskey and cigars, cigars. bonfires. <laughs> I mean, this is like there's there's deep adoration, yeah. repentance, and confession. <laughs> there's prayer ministry. There's there's small groups and men's groups, and and then there's all the other things we can enjoy mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Ben, what's been your favorite part? Actually, I have to tell you, your talk was fantastic. Yes, yes. 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 Oh, I paid for that. 
And wow. truly, followed by Aaron's talk and just a call to Christ. Yeah, he's not a on the call show, though, to today. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Um, no, this call to love our Lord and, and then to make him present in our lives, uh, mm-hmm. it's magnificent. And mm-hmm. I agree with you, the sheer motive power yeah. of all these men in a room mm-hmm. praying mm-hmm. and coming to our Lord and opening themselves up, mm-hmm. uh, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's the power of the unified yes. Like yeah. that is what the church is. It's it, it, In and of herself, the church is a unified yes. Mm. It's a yes and an amen. And yeah, it's cool to see men doing that. It's neat too, because last year, uh, we, we started our Damascus men's retreat last year. And I, I actually, like after the retreat, I was like, oh my gosh, I have never seen a group of adult men yeah. move from point A to point B so quickly. And mm-hmm. like, it was a Friday and Saturday. By Saturday night, these guys were getting like, just filled with the Holy Spirit and like mm-hmm. advancing in their spiritual lives. This year, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're moving even faster. Like last night, lives were just given over to the Lord. This morning, like Aaron, like shared about being sons of the father Mm -hmm. and hearing the father speak words of affirmation to our Mm -hmm. lives. And then like the, the room was filled with like intimacy with God and true break breakthrough of a, a sonship spirituality, mm-hmm. which was just awesome. So I just can't yeah. wait. Like, but this is where, well, man, it's going to yeah, be good Yeah, well, and, and going off that, I mean, like, what, what's been super cool to see and what I think has been so beautiful is, is that so many of these men, you know, they're, they're fathers, they're husbands, you know, they're, they're you know, they're in, accomplished in their careers and they're expected to just constantly pour out and pour out and pour out mm-hmm. and to keep it all together when everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, so many of these men are just tired mm. and, you know, and they, and they're not being fed in their yeah. churches and they're not being, you know, fed and, you know, and they don't have you know really great community or different things like that, you know, because they're, you know, balancing, you know, family mm-hmm. life and a work life and this and that, and they're trying to do everything right. And yet when they're able to come here and when they're mm-hmm. able to, to have this camaraderie and when they're mm-hmm. able to, to actually encounter the Lord and actually be like, wait, like, this is like what it means to like yeah. be like fully alive. And like, there's like, there's like a sonship, like a boyhood. And it's like so funny, you know, because I mean, I'm talking to dudes that are twice as old as me. And I'm like, these guys are just dudes, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, they're twice as old as you. They're like, what, 48? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, old guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they're going to retire like three yeah. years. Years, no, years. So, you know, so. I love it. So, the, uh, but, hey, but, just a, uh, yeah, go for no, it. No, Dan, what I want to tell you here is what Gabriel's referring to. It is magnificent. No father could be more proud of his son than I am of Gabriel. Oh, yeah. Let's give yeah. that yeah. Uh, Yes. I don't know if I could be more proud of Gabriel. Too. Uh, yes. Gabriel's amazing. He is. And what I want to tell you is, and to your listeners, fathers, bring your sons. Mm-hmm. Bring your sons. Yeah. Because so often as men, you know, we strive in our careers, we yeah. do these things, and we achieve these things on our own. Mm-hmm. And then we have this concern, you know, with our own fathers, our own things, we're struggling. This mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute here. Mm-hmm. Bring your sons along. Yes. Let them be part of a journey. And as I say, I could not be more proud yes. of my son sitting here and loving Jesus and going out there and yeah. doing these wonderful things with you guys. You're doing amazing yeah, it things. It reminds me of like what Aaron was talking about this morning, right? That like there's something about a, there's something about Jesus' story <laughs> that it's just not complete without recognizing that he did nothing apart from what he saw the father doing. Like sons are looking to their fathers. And so when you bring your son with you as a, as a humanly like earthly father, like you're actually doing what the heavenly father Mm. would be doing, that you're bringing your son and showing him what it is that you desire him to do and what he's capable of doing. And so there is just something really powerful yeah. about yeah. that. We're seeing that, I mean, like in real time here, which is yeah. amazing. I have yeah. a temptation just to beat my chest right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, selfish plug, if you, uh, on January 11th, we'll open up next year's uh, Damascus Men's Retreat and mm-hmm. Women's Retreat dates. Mm-hmm. And so go to our website, set your calendar. It's uh, damascus.net. You can sign up for our Men's Retreat 18 and plus. It's always really good. So... Signed up for number one. Signed yeah. up, yes. Exactly. Literally the first thing he tells me, like when I see him, he's like, hey, um, can you just sign me up for next year? Like already? Oh, yeah. <laughs> first thing, not, hey, how you doing? Not like, and he just, just sign me yeah. up for next yeah. year. I don't even know we have the date set. Uh, but uh, so, Ben, you are a, you're, you're a father of seven kids, and mm-hmm. I've known your family for a long time. I was uh, the youth minister at your guys' parish when yes. uh, I was younger and your kids <laughs> yeah. were younger. Gave you, you were my middle school youth ministry program yeah. and high school. 
school. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. So super both fun. of you are an amazing, like you're just amazing men. It's mm-hmm. mainly because of your wife and your mother that oh, you're so amazing. That's She's a lot of right? And so I think she keeps all the family <laughs> in line <laughs> and probably most of America in line. <laughs> but uh, so the, just really honored to have you guys on the show. And um, and you work at Franciscan University. You're the, what's I your do, position there? D- the director for annual giving. And okay. it's a very great honor yeah. for me to be there. Absolutely. So, uh, Super yeah. exciting. That's and, wonderful. Uh, and then Gabe, you're a missionary here. You've been here for three years. I've been here for three years. It's been the fastest and arguably that? the best three years of my life. Come on. So, Duh, it's danger, been great. Danger. Danger. <laughs> danger. That's awesome, so, man. So I think sweet. I'm really excited to get into the story because I think mm-hmm. it just, I mean, I witnessed it and, uh, uh, and it just mm-hmm. to be a part of it was so exciting to see Gabe, like the way you recklessly prayed for your your dad's recovery but also just the the your inner disposition and exterior disposition during all of that and then of mm-hmm. course the journey you went through Ben and just the that process and so as we uh launch into the story um do you want to maybe share Ben just like what like what happened at, at, at the very beginning oh, it was my great honor to do this um and I will tell you that in one second because I want to open with this scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way, we skip to the end as the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. And I'm going to read it because I want to get it exact. But in John 11, mm-hmm. 25 and 26, this is right before the raising of, of Lazarus. Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and whoever leaves and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I am here to testify that he is mm-hmm. the resurrection and the life. Amen. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, we love that. I got so excited that I, I said Lazarus, like you were doing so well. Right. Like, oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Yes. No, that's so yeah. good. Uh, as it happens yesterday, uh, Regis Martin, who is a magnificent professor at Franciscan, came up to me and gave me a copy of his book on the raising of Lazarus mm. and inscribed it, you know, his astonishment and gratitude of the raising you know, the latter-day raising of Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is. This, is. this is our Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Eight months ago, I couldn't lift myself out of bed. I couldn't literally sit up, let alone raise myself. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the story of how that happened. Mm-hmm. But this is all our Lord himself. This is to his glory. Mm-hmm. So this... Mm-hmm. Podcasts, his whole everything has yeah. one purpose: That's right. the glory of his holy name. And it's it, you know I think this is a sensitive topic <clears throat> to approach too, mm-hmm. because so many people have uh, have had loved ones that have suffered and, and even passed away from COVID nineteen. And so to mm-hmm. to celebrate, uh, no matter what the end result was, whether you lost a loved one or your loved one had a miraculous recovery, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is the resurrection Amen. and the life, yes. on period, both sides. no on matter both what. Sides. And yes. do you believe this, mm-hmm. right? Like that question demands faith. Yeah. That mm-hmm. doesn't always demand understanding, right? right. Well, it just yeah. it demands That's a good thing faith. because it's not <laughs> yeah. understandable. <laughs> yeah. That's why we yeah. call it a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so... Well, I want, and I want to just build off that point that it isn't like, Oh, poor things, they died, and somehow, like, oh, well, I just got lucky. Mm. I will die, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will die, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's simply that at that moment, mm-hmm. our Lord has a different plan. Mm-hmm. But all of us will die. But I am here to testify to you as somebody who's been to the very, very edge of death, mm-hmm. actually on more than one occasion, mm-hmm. that we are full of fear of death. For understandable reasons, it keeps us alive on the highway, so we don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> and on the high uh, ropes course, exactly. and on the high ropes course. <laughs> and yet, and yet, I testify to you that we will pass through that to everlasting life. Amen. This is the message mm-hmm. I am telling you. I'm telling you, having been to the very edge of it here, that there is God 
and he is supremely good. Amen. So in that sense, don't fear. Mm -hmm. But of course we fear because we're human yep. and this or that. Mm -hmm. But it will build a certain fearlessness that actually when you know what is beyond, when you are right to the edge, that God, what you're going to find is God is there. Yep. Mm -hmm. He never left me at any point. And he won't leave you, the mm -hmm. listeners here, or anybody. He is there mm -hmm. at every step of the way. Mm -hmm. no matter how it looks. Wow, that's mm -hmm. amazing. So I'll tell you the story. And I think this is the show where encounter meets mission. I think in the story, you'll actually see encounter and mission go hand in hand, right? That as mm -hmm. the, 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 the mission of intercession yeah. and the encounter of <clears throat> suffering uh, are are hand in hand, and, and so yeah, what well, yeah, you're like you're, you're like setting the story up. <laughs> yes. I'm, like, yes. I'm here like, come on, <laughs> get in the story. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so. you could tell that Ben is a preacher. I forgot to mention you are in diaconate formation, and yes. so here yeah. in a couple of years you'll be ordained uh, a deacon of the church. Mm -hmm. I sure hope it's sooner than that. <laughs> <laughs> when, when is when is it? Well, the date is not officially released okay. just yet. Okay. Um, but Speaking of mystery. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Praise the Lord. Uh, All right, let's get it. So this guy, this fire preacher is going to be preaching in the pulpit someday. <laughs> so Can't get ready, to. listeners. All right. So word. what happens? I came down with COVID in June of uh, last year, and I had COVID like everyone else. I was mm. just kind of feeling not so good and mm -hmm. so that, but it was no big deal. Mm -hmm. And just like most of, if you've had it or most of the people you know, ah, you know, a few days, just kind of didn't feel that good. And my daughter, Isabella, had just got married into a family of doctors. And so they were kind enough to say, well, Ben, you know, get yourself um, a pulse ox. You know, just it's a little device you clip on your finger. It just mm -hmm. checks how much oxygen you've got in your blood. It's 20 bucks. It's no big deal. And they prescribed some steroids and a Z-Pack mm -hmm. and... Uh, they just said, if you find that your oxygen level drops into the low 90s or below, go to the ER. So after a number of days, six days or something like this, mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's exactly what was happening. Mm -hmm. And so it was time to head to the ER. So I headed to the ER in, at uh, Trinity Hospital in Steubenville, Trinity Medical Center. Nice people. And unfortunately, they admitted me. I was kind of hoping they'd send me home. But no, they admitted me. And I ended up spending about a week there. And what I didn't realize is that actually the first of three miracles was taking place. I didn't know. I didn't realize. I mean, I was sick and they were taking care of me. But, you know, I needed to breathe. And so they gave me oxygen. And then I needed some more oxygen. <clears throat> then I needed a little bit more oxygen. But... I, I just figured this was the routine, right? Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize is that my CRP levels were really rising. Now, CRP is a measure of inflammation. And doctors use this stuff. Nurses use it. It didn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. But your level should be 0 0.1 to 0 0.3, somewhere in whatever units yeah. you're using. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so mine started going up. A doctor in his or her practice may never see a case that's higher than 15. I mean, already by the time you hit 15, that is, you know, very high. A doctor in his or her career may never see a case higher than 30. I mean, that was already hitting the bounds. Mine was north of 200. Holy smokes. <laughs> yes. When you speak to the medical professionals, they don't believe it. And... In fact, <laughs> at each, what's, what's the normal number though, Dad? Like, what's like an, the average normal number for like a normal person? Zero point one to zero point yeah. three. <laughs> that is okay. exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was exactly I was two, literally two thousand times where mm -hmm. that should have been. And at at, uh, at Christmas, we were laughing with the, the doctors, and I said, "Yeah, I guess it kind of was medical textbook territory." They both laughed simultaneously and said, no, Ben, that's Guinness World Record. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you go to a hospital like, where the patron is the Trinity. <laughs> right. Ripley's Believe It or Not. I was thinking Harvard Medical Journal. <laughs> yeah, Ripley's yeah, Believe yeah, It or Not. Yeah, yeah. Like, where that? no, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that to one of the doctors who's uh, on re mm -hmm. retreat here. He couldn't believe it. He'd never heard of that in his mm -hmm. lifetime. He's a very experienced doctor. Anyway, so at the end of the week uh, that I was there, I... Originally, they thought I'd be there three or four days. But after a week, they came to me and they said, well, Ben, 
uh, we're going to have to move you to ICU. I thought, well, that doesn't sound too good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand. I've been isolated because I had COVID, so mm-hmm. my beloved wife, Marielle, was not able to visit, and everybody's locked out and so that. But we all kind of thought, okay, well, get through this. So they come, they move me to ICU. I was not there 30 minutes before they walk in, and they say, ah, oh, we changed our minds. Actually, Ben, we're going to life flight you. I'm like, life flight me? I'm talking to the doctors like I'm talking to you guys right now. Yeah. We're just chit-chatting back and forth. They say, no, we're going to life flight you. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, what's going on that I need to be life flighted? Mm-hmm. But I said, sure, no problem. So that's all I remember because then all of a sudden they've injected you. I mean, I already had the lines and everything. I didn't even realize it, and I'm out. They intubate me, and they life flight me to UPMC Passavant which is a hospital in the north of Pittsburgh. Excellent, excellent hospital, by the way. Mm. Top-notch medicine. So I'm unaware of the passage of time because they now start pumping me full of uh, paralytic drugs and something called propofol and something called, you've heard of it, fentanyl. Mm -hmm. You know that fentanyl out on the street? They start Mm -hmm. sticking into my arm and (laughs) pumping me with it, right? Yeah. So you guys are all praying, and for that First week in Pittsburgh, I am out like a trout. Hmm. But then they start dialing it down. They start bringing me out. And so for me, understand, I'm speaking with the doctors like I'm speaking with you guys. And then I wake up and I'm in this long red and blue tunnel. And at first it was okay. There was somebody kind of moving or talking and this or that. And then I became aware of all the liquid. I was in water, and I was swimming through water, and I was swimming, it was coming up to my nose, and then it was beyond my nose, and I had to tilt my head, and I had something in my nose. Actually, what it was, was my feeding tube, but I didn't realize it at the time. And I had told the doctors back in Trinity that I wanted all medical treatment. Mm-hmm. I worked for Right to Life at the state office of Ohio Right to Life for 18 years, worked mm-hmm. on many end-of-life cases, worked for many babies. Mm-hmm. I wanted the whole thing, and they did. They were, they were true to that. But I found myself swimming in liquid and drowning, mm-hmm. and then really drowning. And I wasn't drowning for a minute, and I wasn't drowning for 10 minutes. I was drowning for hours. Mm-hmm. And if the doctors made... Just one mistake in this whole thing, it was this. They didn't prep me for that. I became, I I didn't know where I was because, I I mean, I should have known I was in a hospital, but I wasn't. I was in liquid. I didn't know what the propofol was doing to me. And this sensation of drowning was traumatic. I mean, it was, I don't wish it on anybody. And up until this point, it had never crossed my mind. This went on a number of days, of course, Mm -hmm. when I was already brought to consciousness. I'm intubated. I can't speak to anybody. My hearing is present. My vision is present, but I can't speak. And so anyway, as this is going on, it never crossed my mind that I was going to die. Why would I die? I was fine. I was Mm -hmm. one of you guys, right? But then it became apparent that that might happen. Mm -hmm. And then I'll kind of skip through this because I, I don't want to lengthen the thing too much, but I, it came a point where I had a vision of my own funeral. And I was high above our church, St. Agnes, as if it had no roof. And there was my family and mm-hmm. all of you wonderful people. And I was looking down, and I thought, well, that's kind of sad. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to leave them. Mm-hmm. And that transitioned into a time where it became very dark, mm-hmm. very, very dark. There was just an island, and the, the faintest glimmer on the horizon, but then it went up into sheer black. And high up in the sky, the highest mm-hmm. angle, appeared an M, a Marian M. I know, speechy, they call it, I think, a marionette. And I began to realize that I could not swim much longer. I was getting tired. 
I was swimming and swimming and drowning, and I couldn't keep my nose. And I realized I might, to my great surprise, I realized that I might be at the end of my life. And I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, you know, this was going on hour after hour mm-hmm. after hour. Anyway. Can you help me understand? Because I'm not yes. a medical guy. So were you actually in water or was this no. a psychosis thing? It, exactly. Yeah. This was this was <clears throat> the effect of being brought out of most of the drugs, but not quite. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not quite. And so I was conscious, but yet it was just it was just the effect of these things. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't been. And you were all alone because your family wasn't there. Were you able to hear doctors? Were they explaining anything to you? Or was there like isolation? And and this is exactly, in fact, they had Paul Marielli, who had first come and she was dressed in a literally a moon suit to be able to be there. Um, But they had instructed her don't speak to him, don't interact because, you know, he could distort his thing. It was the exact wrong advice. And I'll tell you later about how that played out on the second intubation. But anyway, in this, it became evident I didn't know that I was going to survive this. And so finally I Mm -hmm. cried out, Maria, Mary. Mm -hmm. And my wife is also Maria. Mm -hmm. Marielle is short for Maria Lisa. Mm -hmm. At that instant, the doctor came in with Marielle and he said, I think we can take him off now. I kid you not. This was like at the very, very end. And he said, I think we can pull him out. And so they started dialing everything down completely. And then they extubated me. By the way, that's horrible. Don't go through it. Um, It wasn't on my to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) I have a dream list. Not there. Exactly. I got the T-shirt. So I come out and we're all good. Mm -hmm. And I thank the doctor. Um, for all of his work. And he said these mysterious words to me. He said, it's nice to have a rare success. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite fully understand what he meant. One of the nurses had said to Marielle, she said, I've only been here three months in this ICU. She said, I've never seen anyone survive what your husband just survived. Mm. In fact, 19 out of 20 do not. Wow. And, but I'd come through and everybody had been praying like crazy around me. And we thought we were good. We yeah. thought we were good. Can I, can I interject? Yeah, so, this is no, what yes. was happening. No, okay. you, you were going through your own so, thing, but Gabe was going through his own yeah, thing. Yeah, so, so this was insane, right? So, I mean, I love, I love my dad. I love him to death. You know, not to life. Not to life. No, but it was insane. So, I think... Damascus, just to give like context. So, I mean, I've been a missionary here at Damascus for three years and it has mm-hmm. been in, like the formation that I received here was so beyond critical to actually like mm-hmm. go through this. Because one of the things that we learn is to be able to hear the Lord's voice, to hear the Lord's voice and to, and to trust the Lord that he actually is going to like speak to us. Mm-hmm. And I remember like when my dad got sick, I don't know why, but I was like, oh gosh, I just... I feel like this is going to be really bad. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know like what it is, but I feel like this is going to be really bad. And I was really nervous and and I drove home. Um, like the moment I found out that he went to the hospital. Um, and I remember it was that day that, that I drove home. Uh, I went, I went to mass and, and when I got out of mass and I went to the parking lot, mm-hmm. I like, I just like sat in my car and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I need to hear your voice mm-hmm. and I need to know is my dad going to die? Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I can't not hear your voice right now. Like, I need to know, is my dad going to die? And I heard the words, he will be spared. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, all right, he will be spared. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we got something to work with here. But I, I, don't, I don't know, like just something just like came over me. I was like, I was like all right, well, mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse but I'm a missionary and I can pray. Yeah. And so I just like, yeah. I was like, yeah, well, what yeah, do yeah. missionaries do? I was like, I don't know. They got other people to pray. Yeah. You know? yeah. So then I literally texted every single priest in my contact. And it was crazy because the year before I was the sacristan for Damascus. And so I had all of these priests' phone numbers. And so priests that I haven't um, talked to. You're not to, supposed to use our databases uh, for priests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was an emergency. Emergency authorization. So I'm like texting you're every fired. single priest. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like texting every single priest. And I'm like, I'm like, Father, like, hey, I know I haven't talked to you in a year, but like, can you please say mass for my dad? He's like in the hospital. He's really sick, everything like that. 
And then I just like started asking my team and I started asking, you know, all the missionaries here. Mm-hmm. And then like me, um, and so like literally it was insane. Like I just asked, I just like started asking people just mm-hmm. to, like offer mm-hmm. up their communion mm-hmm. and like just like join an intercession because it was like, holy cow, like, like this is bad. Like mm-hmm. I, like mm-hmm. I, I just like feel it in my gut that something's, mm-hmm. that something's coming. And, um, it was insane. So ever since COVID, like ever since like the lockdowns happened, um, like I hadn't received the precious blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day before my dad got intubated, I was asked to be a Eucharistic minister of Holy Communion. And I was the Eucharistic minister for the precious, for the precious blood for people who that had like gluten intolerance. And I distinctly remember thinking to myself, I was like, I really wonder if this is like, like for strength mm-hmm. first. I, I was like, I just know something's coming. And literally the next day, my dad got intubated and it was just, it was just devastating. I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And so literally I, I go back home and I, I like set up a war room with my, with my siblings. And I was like, we need to like contact as many people as we can start praying for my dad. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I go online and I just, I was like, well, who are people that pray all the time? Nuns. Yeah. You know? yeah. For sure. God bless the nuns. nuns. You yeah. know? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. It's kind yeah. of their so, job. It's, it's, it's like their, their thing. It's their thing. So literally, so me and my sister and my brother, we set up, um, and, and my sister's husband, we set up like this war room in our living room mm-hmm. and we find a directory online of every single cloistered uh, monastery and convent <laughs> in the U.S. and Canada <laughs> And we email all of them. That's it. Just two countries. You could have. Yeah, just two countries. I was like, ah, there's another one of them. So, but like we email like all of them. Yeah. And, and we just like we just like start going crazy, mm-hmm. and and we just start you know just emailing like all these people, and and you know I'm just asking like, hey, like. I know that like what you do is like you pray and like, please like pray for my dad. Like I have six younger siblings. My youngest sibling is, is 10, you know and I mean? She doesn't want to see, you know, her dad. And it was just crazy just to mm-hmm. see just like mm-hmm. the amount of prayer. And there's just all these other priests just like coming out of the woodwork. You know mm-hmm. I mean? I got to give a sh- huge shout out to, to Dr. Scott Hahn. I mean, he, he was just amazing. I mean, he like asked like all these other priests I mean, he posted on his account, you know, to pray for my dad, just all these different things. Mm-hmm. And Franciscan too. I mean, I mean, they just you know they were just just bringing out just all these, yeah. all these all these all these people you know just to pray for my dad. Um, and I remember so it was it was crazy because so my dad you know as as we're we're like praying and we're contending and and you know mm-hmm. and I'm like you know asking everyone here you know to, to the pray, and then my dad gets extubated, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, like you know, the prayers have, mm-hmm. have been answered. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, like, like I was able to see, you know, like the fruits of like all this labor. And, and I just remember just sending, I'd like spent probably like four or five hours, like up here on a Saturday, just mm-hmm. sending thank you emails and thank you texts because my dad had gotten extubated. Mm-hmm. And I thought that we were in the clear, yeah. you know, yeah. I thought that, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to celebrate and just and rejoice and thank the Lord for, for, for the miracle yeah. that he had provided. Yeah. Um, it was so beautiful to watch you actually through that, the prayer of the, the fervent, like saint, right. This yeah. hunger to, and pining mm-hmm. of like this, I want, I want to see the Lord work yeah. and, and the faithfulness you had through all that. It was, it was inspiring. It was in the hope. I think that's what I get out of the first the first part of this story is that both of you maintained hope, you know? And I, I was just brought back to the scriptures that, that tell us that like perseverance produces hope, right? And hope does not disappoint. It doesn't disappoint and never disappoints. And like, and we have to trust that word that like over time, our character is going to be proven and it's going to be proven through difficulties. And that proven character is what's going to give us the endurance, right? Um, to then have hope, right? Yeah. And that, that, I'm sorry, the endurance that gives us like perseverance ultimately. And yeah. that's what gives us the hope that we live off of, right? And I, I think I just see that as such a critical part of the story. And man, that's so good for everyone to hear. Like we need to hold on to the hope that's set before us. Like the good news is true. And you know, to build off that, mm-hmm. I'm doing work as part of my diaconal training mm-hmm. at a place called the Friendship Room in Steubenville. Mm which is there for um, just the whole range of people who are yeah. suffering every kind of, uh, you know, from homelessness to prostitution mm-hmm. to any kind of drug addiction, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yes. And I was speaking with um, 
Bill and Molly McGovern who founded mm-hmm. this and put it together. Mm-hmm. Great people. And it, just the other night, Bill and I were talking about this precise thing. Mm-hmm. And Bill said, if I could take all of this and put it down to one element, it's mm-hmm. a loss of hope. Yes. Exactly what you yes. just said. Yes. It's a loss of hope. And the thing is that hope is belief mm-hmm. and more accurately trust mm-hmm. in the goodness of God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing I want you to take away from this whole story, it is there's hope. Yes. <laughs> and so that all yes. these people are going through, you know, that as mm-hmm. we're talking here, people are fighting all kinds of terrible mm-hmm. things. Yes. And I want you to know there's hope. Yes. Yeah. There is hope. There's goodness. That's amazing too, because in a place where you're in total isolation and you probably have total loneliness and uh, mm-hmm. that you actually had more community than ever before yes. in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, and so like the the interior experience that we sometimes have is not always congruent with the exterior reality. And I, you know, like that the, the mm-hmm. God brought this amazing amount of grace through community and through the church, the body of Christ in that mm-hmm. moment. But this wasn't the end and of the story, right? It, it wasn't, but I'll, I'll build off what you just said to say on my end, on the receiving end, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About a year before, so I oversee direct mail and things like that at the university, and we did a direct mail letter called A Tsunami of Grace. Mm. That was the the headline, the tag. And it was prophetic. I cannot tell you, express to you, the power of those prayers Mm. and what it was like. It was a wave. It was so Powerful. I knew you were all praying for me. I didn't know who, of course, and I'm spending the rest of my life thanking people as I meet them one <laughs> yeah. by one. So that's that's why you thought you were drowned. That's you know, right. That's exactly. All gone yeah. that's exactly right. Well said. <laughs> so we have about 20 minutes okay. left, and this is like, like the story's not even done. Okay. So. Yeah. so we're all out of the clear, and they get me a little bit of food. They have to do all the mm-hmm. tests to do that. And then very early, on Sunday morning, uh, COVID does its thing, and I get a blood clot in my leg. And that blood clot travels through my heart to the lungs and sits as a saddle pulmonary embolism right down on the lungs, crossing into both of them. Highly damaging, putting a lot of pressure on the heart valves that started to fail. And of course, I mean, everything's being messed up in your lungs. I was raced into emergency surgery. I am a big believer in no work on the Sabbath. Mm. But here again, the Lord provided because during the week in the mornings, at that time mm-hmm. in the mornings, those surgeons would be in mm-hmm. surgery. But we brought in two, mm. count them, cardiothoracic surgeons who immediately went to work mm-hmm. and broke out that blockage. So they broke everything out. Again, everybody's like, okay, it's serious. They'd intubated me a second time. I'd been intubated 11 days in the first round, and now I was intubated again. And as you just heard, intubation is not necessarily the greatest odds. Mm -hmm. But this is what had to happen. They bring me out, and my kidneys failed. And they scramble, and they go and put me on dialysis. They get a machine put me on dialysis, Uh, but it's not enough. So they bring in one of the 24-hour dialysis machines and put on 24-hour dialysis machine. Now, understand that I am on more heparin. Heparin is a blood thinner. And as I like to tell people, I was on more heparin than they make on the whole East Coast. (laughs) And they're just flooding me with heparin, right? (laughs) And I clogged the machine. You can speak to dialysis nurses. That never happens. Mm -hmm. You cannot clog these machines. I clogged it. So they pull the machine out. They bring in the next 24-hour machine. I clogged it. I was in the room when that happened. Mm. It was the most, it was probably the single most stressful event of my entire life. And I was like, it's like like one of those things where like you see it out of a movie. You just Mm. hear beep, 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 beep. And then like the nurse just casually looks at me and he's like, so how's your day going? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm really stressed right yeah, now, actually, yeah, bro. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Just, just save my dad. Yeah, yeah, save my yeah. dad. Well, things Wait, become so regular to us. Know, they yeah. do. They do. They become so regular. Like, it's like, yeah, it's it's the perspective shift. Like, yeah. I, that's what I'm seeing in this, too. There's so many perspectives in life. Like, that that person is like, I, I'm handling these type of situations 
and I'm trying to see you, but you're in your mm-hmm. perspective, like, no, this is one of the hardest times of my life. And like, just the, just the perspectives of different people in different circumstances is so interesting. Yeah. Well, so they have to bring in another machine. They bring in the third 24 hour machine, right? Those machines are expensive, man. They're not happy right yes, now. Yes, yeah. but you can buy a hospital right now. That's exactly right. Good you know? thing you have insurance. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Actually, my insurance is magnificent, by the way. Yeah. I'm very grateful to Apply now, uh, Francis. Right. Yeah. 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 Well said. Yeah. Great yeah. community yeah. and wonderful benefits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, yeah. um, so they wheel in uh, this machine, and they say to my wife, Marielli, very tactfully, um, if he clogs this one, we don't know what we're going to do. Translation, there's nothing we can do, right? Mm-hmm. He, he won't make it. And it's the eve of July 15th. And the SOS was going out. And all of you were really praying in mm-hmm. earnest. And I was hanging on the very, very edge of death. And interestingly, the experience before, I wasn't in the danger that I, I wasn't in anywhere near the danger that I was now. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I was unconscious. And my family was working like, like crazy. And a couple of things happened that I need to tell you. Earlier, before, the hospital relaxed a particular regulation out of charity. Children are not allowed in ICU, ever. But because of the seriousness of this and the length, and I was out of COVID and all this kind of jazz, they said to Marielli, they said, if you want to bring the children in, we'll permit that. And so she brought Gabriel's younger siblings in. And as she brought them in, as Marielli brought them in, the nurse there said to her, I see you've brought the children to say goodbye. And my wife, who is a woman of unbelievable faith. That's an understatement. Yes. Well. <laughs> Just literally, in case yeah. you don't know her, that is an understatement. <laughs> She's magnificent. And uh, all you wives out there, I can't tell you how valuable you yes. all are yes. to, to your husbands. Um, so the nurse said to her, I see you've brought the children to say goodbye. And she said, no, I've brought the children to say hello. Oh, oh thank you, Jesus. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a, we were talking about being a prophet this morning. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's being a prophet. It is, it is. And she spoke into words of life speaking mm-hmm. into the situation. But then we get to the 15th and... Everything was going wrong and everything was looking bad. And Gabriel was praying like crazy. And we had the Hine family, uh, Jeff and Ann Hine, the parents of my daughter's husband, Eric. All of them magnificent, beyond magnificent. I cannot tell you how much they helped. Mm. And Marielle is there praying and she's prayed everything. I mean, there's nothing left to pray, Mm -hmm. but she did this. She said, Lord, I've given everything. I have nothing left to give you. But I will pray my wedding vows to you. And she prayed the harder part of the wedding vows. And she said, Lord, I take him for worse. If he's brain injured, I will take him. If he's crippled for life, I will take him. If he never walks again, I will take him. No matter what condition he is in, I will take him. I take him, Lord, for poorer. If this bankrupts us, if the whole family's bankrupted out of this, I take him. And in sickness, Lord, I take him in sickness. And if he is sick and truly never recovers, I take him. But Lord, if you take him because it is better... I assent to this. I give him to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Lord, if you take him, I promise you, I will never leave you 
and I will never leave the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And it was a prayer of such utter poverty mm-hmm. and such magnificent power, the power of a wife, using the sacrament of marriage. We have sacramental marriages. She was drawing on the sacrament of marriage to say, Lord, you brought us together. The two shall be as one. You made us a couple. You made us who we are. Lord, I give him back to you Mm. and this. I believe that was a critical turning point. And the next day, God bless Father Dave Pavanka, president of Franciscan University. He called the entire university community to come and pray for me before mass, half an hour before mass. The entire university community. We are a university with a worldwide reach, 3,400 students. We have, he is a very, very busy president. What president does that? What president halts an entire university to pray for one staff member? Mm-hmm. No one, but he did, and they did. Franciscan was magnificent. Mm-hmm. The people there, I cannot tell you how magnificent they were and how good they were and how kind and how much they prayed. Mm-hmm. Anyway. The 16th was the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Our Lady <clears throat> plays a role all the way through this, my entire diaconal formation, and if I'm given the gift of ordination, my entire diacon is given into the hands of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. Our Lady is magnificent. Mm-hmm. And now I want to tie in all these little threads so that you can see something. Mm-hmm. Because I then later came out of that and went to my third hospital. But I'm telling you, Even eight months ago, I did not know that I would ever walk again. And it sounds dramatic. You don't know. I lost 40 pounds in hospital. I lost so much muscle mass. I could not. It was agony to sit up. And I couldn't talk and this and that. And I went from the second intubation of 10 days to they went straight to a a trach. And I had a tracheostomy and then went through... Uh, three different sizes of trachs, mm-hmm. and that went on and on. Mm-hmm. So how do I th- bring all this together? Well, I, we noticed this afterwards, not at the time. But I began the journey at Trinity Hospital. That proved to be very prophetic. I went to three hospitals. Mm-hmm. I was on, when I was in ICU, I was on the third floor of UPMC Passavant Hospital. Mm-hmm. I was in ICU room number 33. <laughs> I, was I am the resurrection. <laughs> I'm the light. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The machine that they brought in, the third 24-hour machine mm-hmm. of for dialysis, had on the side of it the number three. Mm-hmm. And my wife did a double take. Again, we only pieced all this together afterwards looking back. But she checked the vent, and the vent that I was on was number three. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that I want to get dragged into numerology here. What I'm saying is our Lord often leaves these little clues all around. Mm-hmm. And there was a person who prayed for me, who prayed to the guardian angels. And when I was transported from the second hospital to the third, they could not find a regular ambulance service. The normal ones they used, they just could not come up with they didn't know and I didn't know that there'd be this woman, God bless her, who'd prayed a novena to the guardian angels. So who shows up? The guardian angels ambulance service. That's what took me. There. You they only own one up. car. <laughs> <laughs> they only have one. But they came from that. I can't leave all this without telling you how magnificent Gabriel was what he didn't do for me. Mm-hmm. And my daughter Isabella, my other children, Jeff and Anne Hine, Eric, my sister Rachel, who was incredible, my brother Ariel, who flew out from California, who mm-hmm. was so great. And the body of Christ, mm-hmm. all of you together. And so this isn't a me story. This isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This is a we story. Mm-hmm. This is all of us. This is the body of Christ being involved. And for those listeners who right now never heard of me, didn't know me from Adam, they can be involved too. It's not that they need to pray for me. 
But there are people as we speak right now on the vent. There are people right now in different situations. And you should know that I had in my diaconal training taken a verse of scripture as mine, which was John 12, 26, where Jesus says, where I am, there also will my servant be. Because deacons are called to be servants. Mm -hmm. We're called to serve and serve others. Mm -hmm. Where I am, there also will my servant be. And I was in hospital for some weeks before I realized, well, Ben, what did you say? You know, the Lord takes us seriously. Mm -hmm. What did you say? You said where you said you were praying, where I am, there also will my servant be. Well, where is Jesus? Well, he's on the vent, right there in hospital. Mm-hmm. He's in the alley with a needle stuck in his arm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the heroin addicts. Mm-hmm. He is in the streets of Calcutta. Mm-hmm. He is in Africa, in the places where they have Boko Haram. Mm-hmm. And he's with us right now in this room, mm-hmm. with us, loving us, helping us. Mm-hmm. So he gave me the tiniest, <clears throat> tiniest taste of mm-hmm. what it is, a tiny taste to suffer. Mm-hmm. And yet he's resurrected me here to be with each of you and to pass on that message of hope. I think it's just, thank you so much for sharing, Ben. And I think there's so much power in, in that message, right? Uh, That, that he, that he is with us and that we are called to be with him in his suffering. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and just the beauty of the body of Christ. Gabe, could you share maybe kind of like what your experience in that latter part? And um, the I know that it's it's interesting because our missionary mm-hmm. community um, uh, we we pray fervently when someone's sick, but we've had missionaries whose parents have passed yeah. away from COVID, and yeah. so like this isn't a matter of like, well, you were more faithful than yeah. the other missionaries, right? No, or right. that you like that we were more faithful praying for your dad because Franciscan was praying that it worked. Mm. It, prayer is a critical component, but the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, and to some extent, it's a mystery. What was your experience of seeing missionaries lose their dads, and yet you not losing your dad? Yeah, I mean, to I mean, it's something that I like. I still like. I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't. I don't even know like how to like truly comprehend it. You know, one of the missionaries who was here, who she tragically lost her dad. Um, just she she texted me like one day. One of the most profound things that I like, I will forget my own name before I forget what she texted me. And it was like, it was like that week of July, like 15th, like when things were just really going bad. And she texted me and she had just lost her dad in January. And she texted me and she said, I am praying to my dad that your father will not pass away, mm-hmm. that, that you will be spared of having to drink this, this cup and this chalice. Um, and I like in that moment, I I just I couldn't <sighs> comprehend that that level of empathy, like that level of of self gift. Um, and I mean, it's 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 been it's been a process, you know, because I mean, I've I've walked with with other people, you know, who's who who also whose parent, you know, who they turn to me and they're like they're like they're like like what did you do like to like to pray and you know different things like that, and they have lost their parents, and. You know, it's it's this it's this tension point and this confusion of, of of suffering and but you know, like like one of the things I've just tried to to do is I'm like, I just I always want to be there for you, even in the midst of even in the midst of the suffering. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I I can't promise you that that your dad will be I don't know why my dad did, you know. Um and it's just like but just just trying to just like like empty myself and just just pour myself mm-hmm. out, you know, for those for those people. Um and just, just always like, like loving them. And I think like suffering is just some, it's just something I'd be just become more passionate about and talking about because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's the most relatable universal human condition, you know, regardless of, regardless of like where you're at in life, where you're, where you're at with your faith, where you're at, you know, like whether, you know, your race, your socioeconomic status, just all these different things like that. Like, like everyone just knows mm-hmm. suffering and yet like, it's just so re- like suffering is so redemptive. And like mm-hmm. our Lord just like brings like like love into and I never understood this idea until I saw my mom doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I it never it never crossed my mind. Like I never understood how how suffering purifies love until I saw it was as if that my dad, as he got worse, my mom just loved him all the harder. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was as if like when my dad yeah, went from true. 10% chance of dying to 30% chance of dying to 50% chance of dying to 78 to 90. Like it was, it was as if like yeah. my mom was just 99. running off a cliff, like for love for my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she just, she never, yeah. she's like, God doesn't give crosses to dead people. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to stand by my husband and I'm, I'm going to love him. And mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's just like what the one thing that I tell people is, is I'm like, like we don't know the outcome. And so when, when I'm like, like walking with people, I'm like, like mm-hmm. just pray in, in expectant faith and, and, and hope. And I don't know the outcome, but, but like, just like praying, just like with a fervency and just, just praying and hope, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, like that's just been something that's just been so helpful for my process. Yeah. It's a crazy mystery, things. right? That yeah. faith is required in order for the Lord to heal. And yet, <clears throat> um, if the Lord doesn't heal, it's not a sign. It's mm-hmm. not a sign of a lack of faith. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the Lord is the resurrection of life, no matter what. And mm-hmm. I just love what Bailey, like that prayer of Bailey's that she's yeah. praying to her dad because the Lord was the resurrection of life for him. Yeah. yeah. So that your dad might live so that the Lord could be the resurrection yeah. of life yeah. for your dad. Well, and I think that it's so powerful to know in the church, because I think sometimes we, we just decide to make at decide to make a, a theology around experience instead of allowing ourselves to stay in mystery. Like Mm -hmm. Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. But where does following him lead to? Resurrection. That's (laughs) where it leads. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter matter if you're on Calvary for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. If you're carrying the cross that the Lord has actually like allowed you to have in your life, and you're following him truly. You're not picking up crosses you mm-hmm. weren't intended to pick up. You're not calling something a cross that's not a cross, but you're picking up something that the Lord has actually allowed to happen in our lives for a mysterious reason. And you're carrying that behind him, following him. We can be sure that resurrection and life come. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Mm-hmm. The the only question is, will it happen on this side or the other side? And that that's a mystery that's hard to remain in. But I do think it's just so important to not explain away the mystery of God to explain away so that we can make it more simple because I I don't think it was meant to be. It's actually Mm -hmm. like, Lord, I believe if you perform this miracle on this side, that it's in your will and that you're good. And I believe that if you perform this miracle on the other side, that you're good, you know, like, like I believe that everything is coming back to you. And so I don't know. There's just something profound to me as I listen to the story where I think there's been times in my life where I've heard an overemphasis on the here now and an overemphasis on the not yet, that the kingdom of God is here now and he he's going to absolutely bring this person back to life or something like that. Or on the other side, like it's not yet. So <laughs> let's just all go on a suffering party. Yeah. And it's like both of those seem unhuman. Yeah. unhuman. It seems like, okay, Lord, I'm going to remain in this mystery. I'm going to remain faithful to you. I'm going to pray in expectation because you've made a promise. And whether you fulfill that promise here now in the way I understand or later in a way I don't. I'm because like, we are made mm-hmm. for eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's why we fight for life. Mm-hmm. Because course. we love life. Because our Lord gives us life. Our Lord says... I came that you may that's have good. life and have it more abundantly. Yeah, that's good. And that's good. so this is a thing that all of us and everyone listening, we are created for eternity. Mm-hmm. And we are created to spend it with our Lord. And we spend some of it here and a whole lot more of it there. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to close in prayer. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm. And right now I just pray for... Um, I just pray that we would all draw to mind those in our life that we love who are struggling and carrying a heavy cross and who are ill and sick. And in the name of Jesus, we just pray for healing. I pray for hope to fall on those who need hope right now. And Lord, I pray that you would provide for everything that a family needs in in their times of need. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus. We're so thankful for your time. Please like and subscribe and share this story with anyone that you think it would encourage. Uh, We want to thank our sponsors, St. Gabriel Radio, uh, AM820. And please make sure that uh, you join us next week as we share the more of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. God bless.